0: How's everybody doing? It's me again, checking in. Unceremoniously, another week has passed, and we're all conscious for it. So join me. Some craziness went on. You know, if God's real, he probably like OD'd, you know, in the 60s. Like it's been a downward spiral, and this week contributed to that. Some of it was funny worth poking at, worth touching on. To start, Joe Douglas, your boy JD, the general manager of the New York Jets. If you close your eyes and think about this organization, you think about the NFL, while every team is worth a lot, the Jets, according to Forbes, are a top 10 in value organization in all of the four major sporting leagues in North America. Right? So that includes hockey, baseball. And despite them being worth so much selling out games they were third in attendance in 2019 the last year before COVID the arrow you would think is pointing up the issue is they haven't had a competent quarterback since the late 1960s with Joe Namath Chad Pennington in the early 2000s was a first-round pick. He was injured constantly, didn't work out. And most recently, in 2018, the third overall pick, the Jets had the sixth overall pick in that draft. They traded three second-round picks to move up to number three, took Sam Darnold, who they did not think was going to be there. He was supposed to be the number one pick. Again, this is a man that was recruited to USC, Darnold, as a quarterback. But in high school, he played linebacker. Until a late transition. I mean, this dude is just, he's not, I don't think he's wired for it. I think his processor, a little broken. Now, do I want to have a beer with him? Do I think he's funny? Can he keep up in a conversation? Of course. But is this dude splitting the atom? Absolutely not. I need a borderline autistic, God-fearing nerd as my quarterback. I need that man under center. Preferably married early. Too many kids. Has a dog named Gunner. Need a little bit of that. Duck hunting. Gets his offensive line a bunch of skidoo's. Good guy, right? It's the model person you're looking for. However, Jets can't find their guy. Darnold was supposed to be this person, and he ain't it. Over the past two seasons, his completion percentage has gone down. He's lost less games. And the wheels fell off as the Jets went 2-14. and Now, they narrowly missed out on the first overall pick. However, after Zach Wilson's pro day earlier this month, they basically said, hey, Sammy, uh, you're a bum. We're going to move off you. And they finally did it. They traded Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers this past week for a second round and a fourth or fifth round, I believe it's conditional, pick in next year's draft. So, you know, they're basically saying, hey, Sam, we're not going to get anything for you this year. However, you're getting him out of the building. You're getting that mono man, right? He's probably sick still, sneezing on everything. Like, Get it together, Sam. Who misses games because of mono? The whole thing was just a mess. He never lived up to what he was supposed to be, and that era has ended. So you can look for the Jets on the 29th for the NFL draft later this month to go quarterback. 49ers moved up to three they're also going quarterback it's confirmed basically at this point it's mac jones one two three a quarterback for the first time since 1999 for the nfl draft at the end of the day drafting someone top five and trading them not even really almost three calendar uh years to the day later right not a good plan the flow chart it's not on there not what you're looking for however sam darnold was due to get paid next season You're going to have to pay him more than you're paying him now on that rookie contract. And his statistics are Trent Dilfer level. I mean, they are bad. Like, if you're playing Madden at home and your quarterback that you drafted, you trade up for, he has those stats, you restart the game or delete the franchise. You're like, wow, I just wasted my entire Thursday. Joe Douglas, Jets DM, said the quote, this is best for Sam in the short term and long term as well as for the organization. I would have to agree. I think the Jets moving on from Sam is the best he was a bum absolute bum we touched on the Niners having the third pick which leaves the Atlanta Falcons with new coach Arthur Smith they're going to be able to run the ball which is something that Atlanta hasn't done since work done and I was like pissing in my pants you know I couldn't go on roller coasters at Disney World like this was a different era however they did keep Matt Ryan He was in his 30s, and he's very expensive. He's also not very mobile. And the offensive line around him last season wasn't consistent enough for him to be what he really needed to be, which is arguably an MVP year in, year out, which you saw him win it in 2016 when everything came together for him. With that being said, a report came out from Sports Illustrated this past week and said that the Lions – who have the seventh pick as well as the Falcons that we just spoke on at four are both looking to trade back. They both don't need quarterbacks. And there are teams that do. And with only 32 spots in the league and with a lot of GMs, right, they got to pay their mortgage. If I go get a quarterback and I convince the owner that I need another three years with this window with this team, well, then, you know, Billy gets braces. And where there's smoke, there's fire with this. A lot of these uh, journalists, a lot of these nerds, mean that in the most endearing way possible, right? They don't get together and make stuff up. A lot of times, one dude hears something, the other dude hears the same thing. They get together at the Senior Bowl, and then, boom, there's an article. So I'm insinuating that that same kind of thing happened here. Good intentions. And look for Atlanta and the Lions to be moving back. Both of those GMs are playing the long game, similar to what the Dolphins have been doing, right? Just playing. We're going to play 2K with it. We're going to play Madden. Like, we're just going to break the game. When you do a shared franchise with your buddies from college. And, oh, what do you know? Andrew has the first five picks in the first round this year. How'd that happen, Andy? Like, he broke it. That's what these teams are trying to do. Consistently trading back. Trying to get value and trying to take advantage of a lot of teams' desperation and the human element. Listen, I do it Madden from time to time. Listen, I am on the front lines. I understand that pressure cooker type situation, right? The war room. People are sweating. You got your ops guy, your pro personnel guy. Like, guys, relax. And you got to make that decision. So I feel you. Definitely going to be interesting. And again, we'll look out for that. The draft is on the 29th of this month. Moving off football, it's just a bunch of boys smashing their foreheads together. A little CTE talk, and we're going to leave it there, and we're not going to talk about it. We're going to repress that stuff till the draft comes. Conor McGregor, finally this past week, convinced the world and himself that he's ready. News of the final trilogy, the final fight between himself and Dustin Poirier has been confirmed for July 10th. It's signed. It's booked. People have been paid. Checks check's been written. HGH riddled. Head of the UFC, Dana White. He also confirmed it. And McGregor himself was quoted as saying he's going to win with a front kick to the nose. He's, he's really come out and said that he had a terrible strategy the first time he lost because of Poirier's leg kicks. Really didn't have the strength. Wasn't able to be offensive himself without that front leg. You just can't do anything right? It's embarrassing. And Poirier at that point has the hands and the power. He gets a little bit of an advantage. He's an elite fighter and he's a champion. And that's why he won. So the rubber match is going to be in July. Like I said, does he have it? I think he's going to win. I still something about it. I can't bet against him. I can't say that he's going to lose a fight. Aside from that though, he's likable. Like who the fuck is that guy? Like he's just funny, charming, got a cute daughter, He's with his woman, and they're like living on a yacht. It's like, are you a gypsy now? I don't think he pays rent. He's just floating around. He doesn't have to adhere to any laws. He's just drinking wheatgrass shakes, hitting the bike, and like eating brunch. Going for a jog every now and then, like airboxing with his son. What a life. Not only that, though. Saturday the day, I'm recording this. The UFC is having its annual UFC night out there in Vegas. Number 23, Mike Perry is fighting. If you don't know, Mike Perry is an absolute madman. He is a meme, walking meme, riddled with CTE. He's a controversial fighter. He's going up against Daniel Rodriguez, who is 14-1 going into the fight. They're welterweights. They're both ascending. And the ultimate heel, the ultimate troll if you're into the UFC, you definitely know who Mike Perry is. Like, Mike Perry has a face tattoo. All right, obviously I'm on your team, kid. Like, bro, bet on this guy. Not only has he proven to be a pretty consistent fighter, Mr. Perry, inside the ring with a 14-8 and record, but he also beat the shit out of his ex-wife. So he does it outside of the ring. Guys, that's the consistency that you're looking for In a madman, like, bro, I'm putting money on an individual going into a cage, it's being locked, one person walks out of it. Yeah, give me the guy that physically assaults his wife at the kitchen island. I'm putting my money on Mike Perry tonight, and look out for that, UFC Vegas, 23, this weekend. Not only that, though, America's pastime is back, thank God. My Braves, they've established Themselves as a team that is going to consistently break my heart like they did last year. They were zero and four, and then I blink. I looked last night and they won again, so they're three and four now. They won three straight. A lot of things going on. The Red Sox. It's the first time they've opened a home series in Boston and gotten swept. I think since like bro the the Model T was out, like people were slapping their wives and you got paid for it. Like it was a different time. You know, if, if your uncle was in a coma, what if I told you the Sox, one of the teams was good? You'd say, oh, they're red ones, buddy. No, it's the White Sox this year. They're excellent. They're ascending. They have a new manager. And they have a team that has a ton of prospects. Kind of moneyballed the thing. And it's coalescing and coming together this year. So look out for them in the AL. And then you got to talk about the Padres of San Diego. Excellent park. They do have fans in there. It is a little weird. I had a buddy that went to the game. They're excellent. They put a lot of money into the pitching staff this offseason. They traded for you, Darvish. Projected-wise, from a win standpoint, they lead their division, and they're going up toe-to-toe with the World Series champion defending Dodgers of Los Angeles, who are in their division. So, From a big-picture standpoint, you have to compete with that. And the Dodgers spent a bunch of money to bring in the best arm on the market in Trevor Bauer. So they got better. So what are you doing if you're San Diego? You got to get better. And that's what they did. And it's, uh, it's paid dividends. Last night, San Diego's own, Joe Musgrave, their pitcher, threw the franchise's first no-hitter. This was on the road against the Rangers in their new park in Texas, which is sold out, baby. Mass, COVID, that shit don't exist south of the Mason-Dixon pretty much, especially in Texas. So the place was bumping. And they saw your boy, Joey Moss, throw this no-hitter. It was very impressive. They mobbed him. He said, quote, part of it doesn't seem real. It feels like it was meant to be, which is pretty cool. You know, this is a player, obviously, that didn't have the most uh, you know straight and narrow path. In the majors, this isn't a guy that's uh, been talked about. It's not on kids' walls. This isn't a Clayton Kershaw. So the idea that this dude can potentially transform his career, and from this point on, forever, he's a dude that's thrown a no-hitter, and from a contractual standpoint, he can go to the table with that, like, hey, bro, yeah, I'm not getting the minimum, okay? No-hitter. Google it. Padres manager, Jace Tingler, said, "quoted." For Joe to throw the first no-hitter in organizational history. What do you say? It's just a special night. Which it is. Their manager has a killer tan. Very bald. That hairline scares me. I don't want to be 34 years old one day. That is fucking awful. Not only that. There was a little bit of controversy. With those New York Mets. The little brother here in New York. Michael Conforto. His elbow walked it off for them. In a divisional game, very important game, he was up to bat, bottom of the ninth, and his elbow extended out over the plate, intentionally stuck it out to get hit from a pitch, walked in a run. Despite that, you can't argue it because baseball is a boomer sport, which I love, right? It has good, it has bad things about it. So, for the context, it was tied 2-2 at City Field, home of the New York Mets, Michael Conforto was up to bat, bases loaded. There was one out, and it was a 1-2 count. So any pitch in the zone, right, he's got to fight it off. That's the mentality. Three strikes and you're out. If you don't know baseball, right at this point, it's like, why are you listening? Although I do love you. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where half of all downloaded podcasts in the world are on. If you do have an iPhone, just go on there. Again, throw the boy five stars. Throw us a little subscribe. Me and my dog, Bounty, who is a rescue. He appreciates it. So yeah, Marlins manager, uh, Don Mattingly, was pretty pissed. In the replay, right, you're asking, was it really that close? How do you know he stuck his elbow? He did. You can see it. You can see his eye, look at the ball, then look at his elbow, then back at the ball, and then his elbow extends out over the plate. It's actually funny because in slow motion they see it so much, right, with hit-by-pitches, the animalistic nature of us when a fastball is being thrown at you is you flinch away. In this instance, Conforto pretty clearly analyzes what's happening and leans in to the object that's being hurled at him. Like I said, this isn't reviewable. And after the game, the umpire, Ron Culpa, said that the guy was hit by a pitch in the strike zone and he should have called him out. yeah, buddy, that helps out everybody who bet on the game. The rules need to catch up. I'm pretty sure this is the same organization that added replay in, like, 2014. Like, what is that about? Like, I had one of my degrees at that point. It wasn't a good one, but, like, get it going. So the idea that plays like this, that are so important, right? Baseball comes down at the end of the year to a half game, this half game, that a double header plan. We got to fly out to the Rockies. Like we got, it's crazy. End of year, 162 game schedule. Every game matters, especially divisionally. And the idea that you have an opponent on the ropes, the other team gets bailed out and you can do nothing about it. Just take your L. They're doing that Fortnite fucking L like leg kick dance. Like, you're getting shit on. Now, according to Conforto, he smirked when he talked to reporters after the game. He said that he felt like, from his point of view, it was a slider, and he felt like it was coming back in on him a little bit. Guys, just coming in on him. But as play-by-play man Gary Cohen said on the telecast, like, yeah, quote, he made no effort to get out of the way. It's as simple as that, and you got to do that. So long story short, baseball has been exciting. There's been some drama, whether or not their replay system has caught up to the 21st century, you know, whether or not they have issues with some of their smaller markets competing with, like I said, a Dodgers team that goes out and spends the way that they do. It doesn't matter. And it just feels good to have America's pastime back and to see it on TV with all the fans there. All right. Baseball is such a spectator sport. You're hanging out, you're drinking beer, right? You're yelling at people, popcorn, this popcorn, that let me get a soda pop. Right. I never call it, pop but if I'm at a game might call it pop very interesting stuff and I look forward to absolutely more baseball ridiculousness I'm here for it crazy bonkers I'm gonna use that word y'all probably haven't heard it in a while I haven't either feels weird to say right I'd bully myself if I heard it casually crazy story At a USC, University of Southern Cal, right? The L.A. dream, baby. Hollywood sign. We can all picture it. We all want to run those hills during the sunset, do some Joe Rogan type shit. Or you don't. Fair enough. However, you'd think, right? 2021, current year. COVID restrictions, regulations. The way of the world. How tight-knit things are. The security can I see your ID for this, sir, Etc. they'd have things on lock. What I'm getting at is you wouldn't assume that a random homeless vagrant would walk onto the football field there, lie about his age, circumstance, context, who he is as a person, to the point where he was getting free meals, free gear, free room and board, So this story is from SB Nation. It started out as a rumor, and then they had to report a whole article about it when one of their sources blew open the story, and it was so laughable that they're like, guys, let's tell people. So this specific imposter actually shared a jacuzzi at the McKay Center with other football players. He ate at the football dining facility without any issues. He was getting in and out. And he also slept for some time at the suite in the Coliseum. They play at one of the oldest and largest facilities in the country, the Rose Bowl. The Olympics have been played there. Very important, iconic things. This homeless vagrant, right, farting on the couches there. He don't give a fuck. Now, our homeless homie was known to the USC security because he was caught at the soccer field on 30th Street in Hoover. So people had seen him before. They'd relayed the message like, hey, this dude's around, right? And enough human beings at work looking at their watches over time, enough casual stuff not following up here and there, leads to this outcome. Your buddy, buddy, your shoulder to shoulder with a homeless man. He has hep C. I don't know if it's contagious. I'm not going to Google it either because then that's weird. So yeah, not going to put that into my Google search bar. I will probably be put on a list. However, a lot of people are asking, right, like myself, where's the security? I know you knew him, but let's lock it up. Let's tighten it. Let's get it together. Like, where's the communication, boys? Maybe a Nokia walkie-talkie? This is some shit from 2004. The McKay Center itself, which he was using and abusing, requires fingerprint identification to get in. However, like I said, because of COVID, it wasn't working. And traditionally, the doors, right, you got 18-year-olds, they got AirPods in. They're lifting their sword, right? They're getting their pasta. They're trying to clap cheeks with that girl from history too. They leave the door open, right? Sorry, coach. It's it's a little open. And because of this, he was able to get in and out. And same thing goes with the Galen Center, which is where the football and basketball teams ate. Same thing. Lack security. The policies changed because of COVID. Because the budgets were slashed. You can thank Governor Newsom for that. Don't take it up with the kid. Yeah, hopefully we don't see another story like this again, right? Kind of creepy. Every city has that one type of homeless. Maybe it's a crack thing, crack cocaine, where he looks like he's 64 years old, and he's 31, and conversely, he looks like he's 12, and he's 49 years old. CTE. It's uh, it's kind of a big deal, I guess. You know, I played football. I played lacrosse growing up. Early on, early 2000s, bucket helmet, Riddell type, you know, bar through the middle of your eyes. I mean, I probably have CTE is what I'm getting at. I almost forgot what I was saying right there. My brain's going to mush. As a thought experiment, you take... A typical, let's just say, I mean, nerd is a stereotype, but however, every practice, every game, every hit, it's also the small ones too. So you can't exclude the stuff that you see on Sundays or on Saturdays or on Fridays. It's really the stuff throughout the week. Or if you get tackled wrong, your head whips back into the ground. That stuff you can't avoid. It's an issue. And you compound that right from the age of six, if you're an NFL player, play all the way through high school, through 18. Then you play at least three years in college. So you play until you're 22. Same things. You're doing two-a-days. In college, it only gets more intense. Training camps, the intensity of it, the competitiveness, the dorms, the people you're rooming with. It's like a platoon of your brothers. Then you get drafted. You do the same thing in the league. Now you have the money to be able to take care of your body in the offseason. Your job is to show up healthy for training camp and to just get beat up on and run for 1200 yards. Like that's your only job with that being said, there's a cost and compounded with Billy's rise from being six years old into going into the league compared to the nerd who's been playing tuba. He went to Cornell and now he has a job and you look at their brains, despite the fact that, you know, Billy might've, played a position that excluded him from a ton of violence, and maybe in college he had a redshirt year and et cetera, et cetera. He's still, his brain comparatively is bad. And this happened with Philip Adams, NFL corner, who this past week fatally shot five people, including a doctor, the doctor's wife, and the two grandkids. Very wholesome family. The house was huge. It was a compound in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is where he grew up. He was living with his parents at the time. Alonzo, the father, though, talked with the news the following day, and he said that he's a good boy. He's praying for the family. However, football clearly ruined him. Like, yeah, no shit, dude. He was an NFL journeyman. He'd been out of the league for a while, but apparently he was disappointed with the outcome. I'm open. Something set him off, though. Had to be something. This wasn't an accident. The last person he also killed was a contractor, an HVAC person. Working on the house, just wrong place, wrong time, bro. That sucks. Now, maybe I'm numb to it because this is the United States' 133rd mass shooting this calendar year. It is still shocking, despite that, especially for an NFL player that you would assume had the money, the glory, right? He's getting bitches, hanging out, where he grew up, where he balled at. That's where he went to high school as well. Went to University of South Carolina, stayed in the state. This dude was a baller. Despite that, he went Chris Benoit on everybody. You know, people are saying this is so unlike him, et cetera, et cetera. Earlier this month, Adams was convicted on traffic charges, including driving under a suspended license and a failure to maintain proof of insurance. So, you know, maybe he forgot to do it. You know, you get that kind of dementia thing where people get super agitated and defensive as they get older because they forget something, and then they get potentially violent because of it. Maybe this manifested, you know, he was a seventh round pick. He already had a chip on his shoulder. There's only seven rounds in the NFL, right? That's not ideal. And he played 78 games over six seasons. So I guess money isn't everything. I don't even know. I don't know what to think. Now, this segue is good into Joe Biden's recent executive orders. There are six of them looking at guns. He calls them sensible, right? People on the right say, bro, taking my guns. It's probably somewhere in the middle. It always is. Um, Ideally, anything that really takes away the rights of law abiding people to like hunt, right? Like this gun takes the same big bullet. It's just a wooden hunting gun. And this gun takes that exact same bullet we talked about, but it's a plastic, black looking scary gun. And that one needs to be banned. Like this doesn't make any sense. We're better than that. And I'm beneath talking about or getting engaging in that argument. You've heard it online. It's stupid. My point. Despite these laws that Biden has implemented this past week, I won't get into it. It's very boring. Philip Adams, even if they were implemented, would have still been able to purchase the assault rifle that he used to kill these people. Because as long as you don't have a felony, you could have bought the gun legally, despite the executive orders. So there's really no legislative way to handle this. It's more of a mental health issue, which I wish um biden would touch on it as right he'd couch it that way and say why don't we you know take a lot of this democrat money that we're we're spending and invest it in the public sector in a sense to uh you know help people's mental health especially considering covid and these states like frothing at the mouth very venomous lockdowns right they were incessant on doing it the second that they could and for as long as possible flatten the curve don't forget that boys that was the original saying so They've extended it as long as they could, and it's affected people, so they should invest in it because this is the outcome is you get Philip Adams, my boy P. Adams out here unloading clips on, you know, someone's Grammy and Grampy. It's fucked up. Despite that, and despite the fact that COVID numbers have been improving across the country, there's still a little bit of a Corona craziness. There's a video, this is from the New York Post, of a pregnant mom being kicked off of a flight with her two-year-old for not wearing a mask. Now, this is Spirit Airlines, which is, right, that's that's bad. Like, you're trying to go somewhere. You need to leave where you are if you're on Spirit Airlines. So maybe the two-year-old had it coming, you know? Little bitch. Um, but this video shows a flight attendant threatening to kick the family of four off of the plane. This is, of course, in Florida. Now, you may be thinking, where does this, you know... GED having flight attendant on an aggro power trip get off yelling at a toddler. Well, as the video shows, the toddler was sitting on the lap of the pregnant mom eating yogurt, maybe some yogurt bites. Those are the best. And uh, the father of the kid intervened. The whole family is being kicked off for, quote, noncompliance. The attendant told the family that the girl's not wearing a mask, which they said, right, like the baby Oh, the baby's so cute. Had pigtails. It kind of looks like a setup, but it's really not because it's absurd. Now, everybody else, including people around the child and the family on the flight, were wearing masks. The parents were wearing masks. Flight attendants wearing a mask. Like, what is the fucking problem? You know, she was saying that it's not her choice. Like, I don't want to make you do this. Now, this kid apparently just turned two a month ago. And, and again, this is just like, I don't want to speak on this forever. It's it's one thing. But it's just insane. This Karen culture, like, the, relax, everybody. Like, don't take yourself so fucking seriously. It's, it's fine. The idea that those parents would bring a knowingly sick kid, like, what's the outcome that you're afraid of? That that kid has, like, SARS? Why would they bring their knowingly sick kid on, on the plane? Why would they do that? And again, the old adage, if you're sick back in the day when it was 1930s and you're flying to Atlantic City, right? Picture it. Nice cocktail waitresses, leather seats, You can smoke on it for whatever reason. I don't know the science. I would assume it explodes, but it doesn't. Spirit's policy is uh, everybody and up. Needs a mask. This baby, like I said, turned to a month ago. So it's really just like Karen v. Karen type shit. It was caught on video. It's crazy. But back in the day, if you got on a flight, tuberculosis was a thing. That was the go-to one that I read up on or I was told about. My little bit of education that I do remember was the idea is you can't go transcontinental and know that you're sick. That's a felony because it's shared air. Similar thing here. Now you assume a risk getting on a flight anyway. Pre-COVID, I assume a risk that, oh my God, maybe somebody has a knife. Like, I don't know. But I paid for the ticket. Nobody forced me to do it. And here I am. Get over yourself, lady. How about that? If this makes it to you, you hear what I said. Our beloved first son, I guess. Hunter Biden. Son of the president. Leader of the free world. Pretty powerful guy. He has his hands in a lot of things. And I do believe, ironically, he's running the FDA. He's like on the board meetings, drinking coffee. He might have AirPods in, not paying attention, but he's there. He's on the Zoom call. And this past week, he opened up about his drug addiction. He put out a new book, a memoir. And he sat down with NPR's Scott Simon to discuss it. The memoir is called Beautiful Things. Has a lot of tough passages about loss. His drinking addiction, lies, hitting his rock bottom, and how he so often broke the hearts of his family who had already borne so much themselves. Uh, Joe Biden's original wife and I think a kid or a son were killed in a car accident in like the '70s, and then uh, Joe Biden's successful other like handsome son, like another like good boy, one that isn't smoking crack. Uh, Bo Biden died of brain cancer. He was a veteran and he also was a doctor himself, like a surgeon. So good guy. He died. Joe Biden, the president's gone through a lot. So the idea that Hunter Biden was putting his family through anymore frivolously is I ain't got any room for that, bro. Like, you know, my dog pisses shits on the carpet when he wants, like that stresses me out. And then you're coming in with this dumb shit in this article. Like, bro, enough. And he also answered questions outside of his, you know, nefarious drug addiction about his Ukrainian energy company, Burisma. On top of that, the crack thing was a big deal. He touched on it a lot. There's an entire chapter where he delves into a specific relationship that he had with a a Washington, D.C. drug dealer named Raya. It wasn't romantic. I mean, it was. This article says it wasn't, but uh, they were clapping cheeks. So it gets into that. There's a quote where he talked about sifting through uh, like longer grain carpet, sometimes potentially even smoking crumbs, Parmesan cheese in sight in an effort to chase that dragon and get high, right? Find a piece of random coke or crack that he can smoke and get a little bit high. He would, I, I mean, this is absurd. Just like the, the flight thing. I'm over this. I don't have a lot of uh, time for this, but it's so ridiculous. Now, Trump's kids are douchebags, like anybody would be if your dad's a billionaire, but they're normal. They went to Penn, you know, maybe they slapped a couple asses, whatever. I mean, we're talking about typical douchebag rich dad stuff. This is like past that point. Hunter Biden also, we talked about Bo, his brother who died of brain cancer and was a United States veteran. Hunter Biden banged out Bo's widow, banged her out. Like multiple times, multiple times doing that on the furniture, the couch, the ottoman, the love boy, the love seat, the back seat, the front seat, the passengers all over the place, right? Not good. And I can't let you guys not hear about this or not know. You got to be informed about what's going on with our American royal family. Oh, well, real quick on the royal family. Prince uh, Philip, he died. He croaked. The guy that was very creepy, his skin looked like paper. Uh, Paper mache, right? Those really shitty and embarrassing projects that you'd have in middle school. Um, Even pre-braces when I was pudgy and, you know, very little self-respect. Very dark time. When I would make a thing, terrible little trinket. That, unfortunately, would be a a paperweight from my father. The material that I was dipping my hands into, that I was using, that I was crafting with, reminds me of uh, old Philip here. Good old Philly. He died. Duke of Edinburgh. Died of 99. And I say died of 99 because you're fucking 99, dude. Like, do I need to... You just... You're dead. Just dead. Just dead. He was just dead. And that's really it. We're just going to touch on it just quick, just light, something light, a little caress. Greg Abbott, the wheelchair-bound governor of Texas, good guy. He's on the right, he's a Republican, but he's uh, he's not really crazy, like he's not psychotic, where it's like, oh, okay, I could have a beer with you. Fringe anything is just, why? You know, chill out, like, take a breath. Go to Six Flags. But Greg Abbott. After we touched on last week, Georgia, the state, enacted some changes to their voting laws. Major League Baseball, the MLB, was holding, at least set to, hold its All-Star game, which didn't happen last year. The market, the sport, the team was begging for this, was yearning for it. They're all juiced up. Panties were off, boys. Like This is it. And uh, because of Georgia's decision because of the political move that was made over voting. Major League Baseball pulled the game. They said, "Uh, no, 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 got to be quicker than that type shit, right? And who does it hurt more than anybody? Uh, Local Georgia people, local businesses, restaurants, all the people involved in operations. There's a lot of great black owned businesses, specifically in Cobb County, that would have benefited from the all-star game being there. And they moved it to Colorado. doesn't help anybody. And Greg Abbott, the Texas Rangers, are a team in Arlington. They have a new ballpark. Governor of Texas, right, he kind of has an obligation to show up, show his face, get a couple brews. And he was set to throw out the first pitch at this game to the best of his ability. Again, he's in a wheelchair. I don't know how he does that. Um, you know, use your imagination. But he's not doing it anymore which is uh, pretty good, right? The woke mob, everything out there, cancel culture, just the systematic kind of snowball that happens where it's like, oh, I don't like that. Okay, now it's gone. It has effects on people, and it hurts the majority. It hurts local Georgians. It hurts Atlanta people and business owners. Like, what are you doing? And he touched on this. Governor Abbott said, it is shameful that America's pastime is not only being influenced by partisan political politics, but also perpetuating false political narratives. Wow, say that twice. Holy shit, I did that on one take. Oh yeah, brief interruption. DMX died. Uh, He OD'd last week. His brain was a vegetable. It was a matter of time. Short story, I met him in Albany, downtown capital, upstate New York, at Prime. A very, very nice steakhouse. Very bougie. foreign hostess. Piano being played on the dining room floor and for one of my first jobs out of college our yearly christmas corporate event was there we rented out the whole upstairs for our like division our entire office it was mad fun it was awesome i had a tie-on i was ripping ciggies when i was hammered out on the sidewalk don't worry i ubered Um, it was great shots at amir remy the boys it was fun downstairs periodically we were upstairs I'd be drinking, sipping my gin and tonic, getting my little move on. All of a sudden, somebody would be like, yo, bro, downstairs, Uh, DMX, famous rapper. Yeah, he's down there, bro. He's like eating a steak. I'm going to go sit at the bar and stare at him awkwardly. And I said, oh, all right, I'll join you. So we went down. We stared at him, shot the shit with him. I think I bummed a Siggy off him maybe even. And a lot of people from my office, specifically that I had like meetings with, Got pictures with him, got to hang out with him, got to talk to him. And now he's dead. 50 years old. Really a small world here. So I met him. He was super personable. He was nice. His voice was like, just like the songs, just like the raps. His voice was deep. A little bit intimidating. His bling bling was legit, though. That shit was VV. It was shining. I pulled up this article to touch on DMX. But outside of that, on the sidebar here, actor Eddie Hassel, I don't know who this dude is, but he was fatally shot in a random robbery, police say. Bro, hide your kids. Get the blicky if you can. If you're in a state where it's endowed, you're in a state like Georgia, I don't even know, Iowa, the Dakotas, Montana, really anywhere that isn't the coastal elites. Again, I'm in New York. Like, There's a lot of things that you have to do. A lot of hoops you got to jump through. You got to get a judge's approval. People have to speak on your behalf. Dude, it's fucking annoying just to get a gun. So if you have an opportunity to do so in a state where you don't have to do that, go ahead and do it, buddy. Because it's important because there's psychos out there murdering actors. They don't care if you're in, you know, Gone Girl. They don't care if you were an extra in that Tarantino movie that everyone doesn't like, Jackie Brown, whatever it is. Nobody cares. But at least, you know, the people that were hired or the robber, You know, he did his job. He killed the guy, right? He's still on the run. Mission accomplished, you could say. Now, the bad guy won for now. I don't like it. Doesn't sit well. But similar to that, Kodak Black this past week was shot at. So his robber was just terrible. He couldn't get the job done. This was outside of a Florida McDonald's in Tallahassee. More details are emerging after people have spoken with Kodak Black's entourage. Again, this still remains unsolved, but the plot thickens. According to a security guard for the rapper in Pompano Beach, he was shot at early Monday morning outside of McDonald's. After the security guard went inside to get his food, an occupant of that vehicle that was blocking the exit, got out of the car, began shooting, and then fled like a little bitch. Like a little bitch. Now, one of the uh, security guards was hit in the leg. And he was rushed to a hospital to undergo surgery. That's fucked up. Meanwhile, the Florida rapper, our boy, was uh, unharmed. And he was whisked away. Everything's good. But he's been to federal prison twice since I've been uh, in college. And I'm 25. So it hasn't been a long time. I do feel old. Stop doing what you're doing, Kodak. Like Maybe hang out in, uh, I don't know, Arizona. Tucson's nice. There's colleges out there. Get some property. No grass. You don't have any issues with landscaping. You can just sod that bitch. It's got legal drugs. Go to Oregon. Right? Montana. Nice views. Maybe go to Canada. Just stop wherever you're at, dude. Because everywhere you go leads to felony. The owner of the McDonald's, Rafael Vasquez, issued a statement. That's got to be crazy. That guy is like, had a gun in his mouth about to fucking pull the trigger and he gets a call, gets some clout from a little Kodak black shooting. Ooh. And he put out a statement saying, we are aware of the incident that happened on the street in front of our restaurant. So it didn't even like he's grifting clout. Like, dude, this happened across the street. Vasquez wrote, our biggest priority is always the safety and well-being of our employees. Wow. Thanks dude. Just, I'm over this. I'm over it, dude. Thanks. Long story short, I'm glad Kodak's okay because he is a treasure. Final segment, I've been rambling, long time. James Charles, also an upstate New Yorker. Uh, I believe he's like 22, 23. First dude on the cover of like Maybelline or Vogue, one of the female makeup magazines. Again, I don't know what it is, I'm butchering it. But he's basically an icon for LGBT. Now, it came out this past week that over the past two years, with this clout that he's had, again, he moved out to L.A., He's got endorsement deals. He has his own brands and stuff that are in big time retailers. Um, Not to mention that like commercials and whatever else, whatever, whatever the fuck else he wants to do. Like this dude could do no wrong. And it's pretty dope for a kid from New York. Now he's come a long way in general, but he should be in prison, especially based off this article from the Berkeley beacon, which touched on the allegations against him involving sexting like 15 year old dudes. Now, he's been in the spotlight for a while, since 2016. He has over 25 million subscribers on YouTube. He's amassed, like I said. A, I mean, this is absurd. Like, that is, it's like Mongolia. That's a lot of people, bro. But there are receipts, like Crystalia. I guess just a boomer mentality when you're that rich and that wealthy and that secure in who you are. And Ready's right, had no issues coming out as a gay dude and really being an icon in whatever industry that he's in. Like, You feel untouchable. And the reality is like, bro, people are screenshotting your shit. And they're like 15. And he came out on YouTube, did an apology. One of the fake ones right? he had like a black turtleneck on, white background. Like he slapped himself in the face beforehand, little fucking cayenne in the eye. Like, bro, I see you. I'm a sociopath as well. That ain't real. You got to emote. From this, I gathered. he blamed him sexting underage people on being desperate. He's like, this is embarrassing to say, but uh, you know what guys I'm desperate, but not even that. Imagine let's just do a thought here, right? Close your eyes, everybody. And imagine that weirdo Cowboys fan. He's got the high and tight skin fade, the chin strap. He's got a Zeke Elliott Jersey on some jorts that are acid washed and some Jordan 10s. Now, that dude pulls up to your high school in his forest green Honda Accord. He's got uh woofers in the back and he's bumping 2014 Kendrick, right? Outdated. He picks up his 17-year-old girlfriend like he's banging her out. It's not okay. Let's say he's 27. Whatever age in your head, you're like ew. You're telling me if he was somebody of prominence and he put out a video as a dude and said, "You know what, guys?" I don't know what got it. I'm just desperate, dude. Like, I just, it's not okay. And I'm glad this article, t- I mean, this dude should be in prison, and he's not. I think he's lost, like, one endorsement outside of that. Nada. My boy Peppa Le Pew is a fictional character out here. Canceled. Mr. Head canceled. Everybody's canceled. This dude's out here doing nefarious weirdo shit. He's around. And I'm putting a stop to it. And I'm also putting a stop to this show. And that's it, baby. A lot of this stuff's one take. I was just feeling good. Had the juice tonight. Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for hanging out. I love you. Um, Again, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google, fucking Bing, whatever you want. Throw us a like, subscribe, whatever you want to do. Love the interaction. I'll be talking to you all next week. Peace.